Welcome to Central Speaks, home of our weekly podcast. Central Speaks is produced by Hamilton Central Baptist Church. My message this morning uh, comes from Revelation chapter 3, the church at Sardis Street. You may notice that I've uh, left uh, one church out, and we'll be looking at that next week. I just wasn't quite ready for this week, so we'll look at that for next week. So, the church at Sardis Street, Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now, in the book of Revelation, we have one of the saddest letters ever recorded in Scripture. The letter was written by the Apostle John to the church at Sardis. It wasn't an ordinary letter. This letter was dictated by the risen, glorified Lord Jesus Christ, and it was written to a group of believers meeting in a church in the city of Sardis, and these people were living a lie. Ancient Sardis, the capital of Lydia, was an important city. It was situated about 80 kilometers east of Ephesus, and it was a strategic trade center. It was at the junction of five main roads. But the city at the time that John wrote Revelation at the close of the first century was only a shadow of its former splendor. Just like the city, the church at Sardis was a has-been church. The church was now only a memory of days long past. It was running on empty without any reserve. Dr. Vance Havner frequently stated that spiritual ministries run through four stages. It starts with a man, and then a movement, and it becomes a machine, and then a monument. Sardis had become a monument. So let's read together Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. I know you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I'll come like a thief, and you'll not know the hour at which I come against you. Yet you have a few names in Sardis, people who have have not soiled their garments. And, And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, we're going to see in the first place the deceptive reputation, the deceptive reputation To the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive. Now, the Lord Jesus stated that the church at Sardis had a reputation. 
Sardis had a reputation, had a, a name, which has the idea of fame. The whole character and life of the church was known by its name. When you mentioned the name, the church at Sardis Street ears would prick up. If you were to travel to the city of Sardis and, and walk up to anybody in the street and say, excuse me, I'm, I'm looking for a church where they worship Jesus Christ. Do you know of any go-ahead, lively church in town? And they would say, sure, you must be talking about the church at Sardis Street. The church had a name. It had a reputation. They had fame and everybody knew it. But I want you to notice that the church at Sardis Street not only had a reputation, but it had a good reputation for being alive. The word alive there has the idea of spiritual life. They had a reputation for being an, an alive church, spiritually alive. They were with it. Well, in what way was this church alive, you might ask? Well, perhaps... They had upbeat, vibrant services. Perhaps they had dynamic communicators. Perhaps they had a, a great youth group, or they might have had a really, really uh, onto it woman's ministry, or whatever they had at this church, it had a reputation for being alive. They were the talk of all the Christian community around all the surrounding areas, and probably find that people down in Pergamum had heard of them, and, and all the other churches had heard about this church at Sardis. They had a reputation. They had a name. Perhaps they ran seminars on how to be alive and how to get people in through the front door and how to reach the lost, dying world for Christ. Any Christian who was anybody had heard about this reputation of this church, Sardis, and its vibrant life, and, and they were keen to find out where that life came from. But I want you to notice something more. They were an active church, not just an alive church, but they were an active church. They, they weren't a sluggish church. They were known for their works. The Lord Jesus says, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive. Now, the, the word works there has the idea of performance, laboring for Christ, as in spreading the gospel and, and, and furthering the church, furthering the cause of the church, from all outward appearances, the believers at Sardis seem to be doing all the right things. Their, their reputation for their aliveness and their works preceded them. But despite the effort of their works, despite the appearance of aliveness, their, their, their reputation was deceptive. It was a deceptive reputation. But we see in the second place the shocking condemnation. The shocking condemnation. Verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Can you imagine the excitement of the church of Sardis the day the messenger arrived from the Isle of Patmos with a, with a handwritten letter from the great Apostle John, the only remaining apostle alive at the time. And can you imagine the church leaders calling a, a special meeting to, to read this letter and the stirring among the people as they, they anxiously waited for everybody to arrive. You can imagine the absolute silence 
Nobody was on their cell phones looking at Facebook or, or looking at texts or anything like that. Nobody. It was all closed. Everybody was silent. The messenger read the letter. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Can you imagine the horror on their faces? What? Dead? No, wait a minute, wait a minute, you've made a mistake. You've got the wrong letter. That, that letter was meant for the church down the road. That wasn't for us. We're not dead. We're anything but dead. We have all the signs of life. But this was not the conclusion of the great Apostle John. This was the assessment of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The immortal, all-knowing, all-powerful God weighed that church of Sardis in his righteous balance and he found them wanting. And the believers at Sardis didn't even know that they were dead. That, that's the scary part about it. They had no idea. They thought that they were spiritually alive, that everything was going well for them. They, they had all this, these works and, and, and they thought everything was good. But their works, instead of producing life, were the pointless, lifeless motions of corpses. And all their programs and all their works could no more bring life to a dead church than a surgeon trying to resurrect a dead, decaying corpse. For I have not found your works complete in my sight, in the sight of my God, the Lord Jesus says. Instead of a live church, they were a dead graveyard. So what was the problem at Sardis? It's interesting to note that there were no words of commendation from the Lord Jesus Christ to these believers at Sardis. No words of commendation, but neither did the Lord Jesus point to any doctrinal problems that required correction. They didn't have problems with immorality as far as we know. They didn't have problems with, with worshipping idols or trying to bring idol worship into the church as far as we know. And there weren't, as far as we know, there wasn't any mention of opposition or, or, or persecution. And, and maybe this gives us a little insight that perhaps the church had grown comfortable and content and they were living in their past reputation. But their reputation was without reality. And the church at Sardis gloried in their past splendor, but they ignored the present day decay, the present reality. There was no opposition because the church wasn't aggressive in its witness in the city. If there was no persecution, that means that, that there, was, there was no invasion of the enemy territory. No friction means no motion. The unsaved at Sardis probably saw the church as a respectable group of people, people who are neither dangerous, neither are they desirable. They were decent people, probably good to do business with, but they had a dying witness and a decaying ministry. The believers at Sardis were no longer living in the power of the Spirit of God. And here was the root of the problem at Sardis, and here is the root of the problem in the church today. We have all the right programs. 
But there's little, if any, fresh vision, fresh revelation from the Spirit of God. And where there is no fresh revelation, the people perish. Man, ministry, movement, machine, monument. Where there is no fresh revelation from God, the believers lose their witness. You see, years ago, someone had a vision from God, a, a clear vision from God, and, and they knew it was a vision from God, and they prayed about it, and they measured it against Scripture, and as a result, that man or that woman started a ministry, and, and the ministry went really well until the ministry turned into a movement. It was a movement of the Spirit of God. But as years went on, that movement becomes a machine, just a mechanical machine, and then that machine becomes a monument where there is no fresh revelation from God, believers lose their witness. And although they were known in the community as the church on the corner, they were neither dangerous nor desirable. It's good to guard our spiritual heritage. It's really good. We, we need to guard our spiritual heritage, but we must never embalm our spiritual heritage. We're never to make a monument of it. We need fresh revelation from God. That's the shocking condemnation. But we see, third, the urgent exhortation. The urgent exhortation. This is what it says. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The situation at Sardis was serious, but not totally hopeless. Immediate steps had to be taken to strengthen what remained. There was a remnant, a small number in the church at Sardis, who had not defiled or soiled their garments, as we see in verse 4. The city of Sardis was famed for, for being the, the first ever to invent dyeing sheep's wool with colour. <laughs> they had a very progressive woolen industry. So the idea in this passage is that there is a remnant, a small group of people in the church of Sardis who were not stained, who are not tainted, who are not soiled with the sin of spiritual neglect or mingling with pagan life. But the rest in the church of Sardis, if their church was to survive, it desperately needed new life and the Lord Jesus laid out a path of restoration. First, the Lord Jesus said they needed to wake up, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. Wake up. To wake up is actually in the present tense and it means to be constantly alert, constantly watchful, be watchful. The Sardians needed to change their, their complacent attitude. Their spiritual complacency had led them to, to, to give up their identification for Christ and their mission for Christ. Twice in their long history, actually, the city of Sardis had been taken captive at its strongest point, the city that is, at their strongest point through lack of watchfulness. Sardis, if you've ever been to Sardis, is, is built on a plateau and, and it has sheer cliff faces around three sides that are about 500 metres high. And it was believed that it was absolutely impossible for any invading army to take the city from the north 
east or west faces because they were absolutely unscalable. At least they believed they were unscalable. And so the, 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 the army at Sardis didn't even bother watching the north, east or west faces. They only concentrated on the south. But Sardis wasn't built on bedrock. And over the process of time, the wind and the rain and, and the, just blowing uh, in, into those, those uh, cliff faces developed footholds in the cliff faces. And so the king of Persia, King Cyrus, was able to scale the cliff in the dead of the night and capture the city. The city was taken at its strongest point. And the Lord Jesus makes the comparison here. He says that we need to wake up, be fully awake, be watchful and constantly alert towards complacency. See, it's so easy to do, isn't it? You become complacent over a period of time. You just just slowly, just a little, you you stop reading the word like you used to. You stop praying or you or you stop whatever it is. And over a period of time, you become complacent and become dull in your spiritual walk. And the Lord Jesus says, watch, wake up. We see second, strengthen what remains and is ready to die. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. What remains there, that, that word, what remains, is actually a neuter noun. It's a neuter. It means it doesn't actually refer to people. If it referred to people, it would be either masculine or, or feminine, but it's neuter, which means it doesn't refer to people. What remains? Rather, it's the spiritual gifts of people, their, their spiritual vitality, those, those, those graces that God gives to every believer and he's poured out on each member of the church to be used for his glory. Spiritual gifts are spiritual abilities that can only be performed under the power of the Holy Spirit. What is not of the Spirit is of the flesh. And what is of the flesh is not redemptive. And what is not redemptive is not life-transforming. And if it's not life-transforming, it's not eternal. There's a small remnant in this church at Sardis that we're still ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. But special care needed to be taken that their spiritual vitality wouldn't die. It was about to die. Strengthen what remains. Now, we must never confuse spiritual gifts with natural ability. Natural abilities or natural giftings are things that can be passed down to us through our parents, come through our DNA, or, and it can be, they can be refined and upskilled through education and through practice, but natural ability should never be confused with the spiritual gifting and, or the graces that are given to us by God. Now, natural ability, when surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, can be used greatly by God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But, but natural ability without the Spirit of God is not a spiritual gift. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. In other words, surrender what you have because you're living in the flesh. Surrender it. Surrender it. What life is still there, surrender it to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Lord Jesus was saying. But we see in the third place, remember what you have received and heard. Verse 3, remember what you have received and heard. 
They needed to go back to the truth of the apostolic gospel, the word of God. They had received the gospel from the apostles and they needed to go back to that gospel truth. Well, what is gospel truth? When the Lord Jesus Christ died and and he was crucified for our sins, he shed his blood for us, he was taken from the cross and he was buried in a tomb and then three days later he, he rose from the dead. And this gospel truth is this. When Jesus Christ died, I, as a believer in Christ, died to my old man, who I was in Adam, that old Lincoln, that old me. I died with Christ. When Christ died, I died. When Christ was buried, I was buried. I was buried there with him. And then when Christ rose from the dead, I was raised to newness of life. That's what, that's what Paul is talking about in chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, where he says, For the love of Christ is compels us or constrains us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. See it there? He died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. They also needed to go back to what they had heard and review the doctrines of Scripture and surrender themselves afresh to the power of the Holy Spirit and His authority. But we see in the fourth place, the Lord Jesus says, Keep it, keep it and repent. Keep what you have received and heard. Keep it means obeying the word of God. It's one thing to hear the word of God, but unless you obey it, unless you put it into practice, it's never going to bring life change. Keep it, the Lord Jesus said. You may not be popular for obeying the scriptures, but obedience will bring renewal. And obedience is the product of faith, Paul tells us in Romans. Keep it. But we see in the fifth place, repent, repent. The believers at Sardis needed to repent of their sin, to confess it before God and to walk away from it, to walk towards Christ and allow the Lord Jesus Christ into every part and every area of their life. Maybe today, for some who are listening, there are areas of your life that you've never surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus is saying here, repent of those things, repent of them. Turn away from them and walk in the other direction towards Christ. Maybe there's a room way back there in the recesses of your mind that that hasn't been opened for years and years. You've never opened that door and you've never let the Lord Jesus into that room. Well, he's saying today, repent, open that door, let him in. Let him into every area of your life and ask him to be Lord of every part of your life. Well, that's the church at Sardis. That's the deceptive reputation, the shocking condemnation, and the urgent exhortation. Thanks for joining us this week online. Come join us on Sunday mornings too if you're in Hamilton. Find out more about Hamilton Central Baptist Church and discover ways to get involved at www.hcbc.nz. Join us again next week at Central Speaks.